Welcome to Nutria Performing Art Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhardt. Well, it's time once again to climb as high as we can go on the Nutria campus, all the way up to the fifth floor, where Nutria's flagship radio station, WNTH, broadcasts out to the world, or at least to the greater North Shore area. Our guest today has spent 29 years with the Department of Scoreboard Operations for the Chicago White Sox and two decades as the sports editor for the Kenosha News. He is also a fellow author and was my last and best station manager at WNTH Radio. Wow. Dave Marin, welcome to New Trip Performing Arts slash WNTH Stories. Thank you, Dwayne. It's wonderful to be here. I want to start today with both New Trier and WNTH. How did you first get started with WNTH and why? I was a freshman and my mother told me that I had to go to the organizational meeting my freshman year or I couldn't come home. It wasn't that drastic, but she was very committed to my radio future or my radio talents because as she put it, as a young boy, I used to sit in front of the television and babble about the, the games on TV. And so pretty much, I wouldn't say to shut her up or to placate her. I went to this <laughs> meeting and I signed up and I think it was very easy to join uh, WNTH as a freshman. And I joined and I got some gigs broadcasting games. And throughout my freshman year, I became more and more involved with the radio station. And by the end of my freshman year, I was named sports director as a sophomore. And then I was sports director as a junior and then station manager as a senior. But I owe it all to my mother who basically made me go and uh, she was right. And it was it was it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I, I should also note that that getting a board position, being a sports director, regardless anywhere on the board as a sophomore is a pretty rare thing. It was it was um, it was great. I, I befriended a lot of the uh, and, you know, it's funny in your I listen to all your your podcasts and they're fantastic. But one theme, one of the many themes I see running through it is the interaction between the upperclassmen and the lower classmen or the underclassmen in performing arts. And that was true in uh, at Nutria on the radio. And very, very freshman, true of WNTH yeah. as well. Yeah, that's true. And my freshman year, I became very friendly and close to a lot of the seniors and they taught me and they showed me the ropes and I just it kind of naturally evolved into that position. So you were, whether you know this or not, regarded as the best station manager that any of us worked with in our years. And by the way, this is not true of just our year group, but this is others as well. So <laughs> you just talked about being mentored and, and how that uh, how that helped you in that process. Was there anything else that you felt in the evolution of your time there and the experience that you got in management that made the transition and made being in charge of the entire station a better or easier thing for you to do? Oh, yeah. One of the themes I see running through your your podcasts is the amount of autonomy that students were given. Another big point, yes. Yeah, and I think that really helped me. Our 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 faculty advisors were a guy by the name of Dick Coxon and William Bushnell, and they were techies, no question. But they let us do our thing, and I think that really helped me as a manager. And it, and it's a, it's a quality that I took on in future management positions. When I was sports editor of the Kenosha news, I basically let people do their jobs. And that's something that I learned very early at Nutrier 
I saw my father, who was uh, department chair of the social studies department at Neutral oh, That's West. right. That's right. Your dad was on staff. I totally forgot that. Yeah. And then the combined schools. So he basically was, uh, I saw him, how he dealt with people. And then there was another fellow that I worked with at the White Sox. I'm still working with him for years named Jeff Chanel, who just had a management style that brought out the best in people. And the and what I learned at WNTH was let people do their jobs, let people be who they are. And that's a theme that I love about uh, the performing arts department at, at Nutria that I see. I saw through your podcast with Suzanne Adams and others. It was just it was just really heartening to see. So two things that you just mentioned there, uh, one of them is the autonomy thing. And, and I, again, to emphasize something that a lot of, I don't know if our listeners know this or not, but we really were put in charge. And when, for example, when the equipment broke, there wasn't a team of professional engineers that came in or something. This was students putting, there was a guy, I'm sure you remember Eric Dustman. Eric Dustman, the legend. Yes. The legendary Eric Dustman, who, who kept us on the air more times than I can count. He was great. For, yeah. but that, but that's what happened it was basically when something went wrong their their response to us was okay it's your station guys fix it and, and Dwayne, to your, to your point the only thing i ever really remember where i needed faculty advice uh sign off was when i would order a phone line for live broadcast at other schools so we had to have so i'd order a phone line from Illinois Bell to go from Deerfield to Nutrier. And there was a work order that Dick Coxon or Bill Bushnell had to had to sign. Right. But other than that, it was it was very it was we were very autonomous and we really let people be who they are and do the thing. And that was one of the great, great lessons that I took from Nutrier. No question. So what challenges did you face in leadership at the station? And how did you feel like your experience with those challenges helped you not just at Nutria, but then then moving on from Nutria? No question. Uh, it, it helped me. I just really liked the people that were around. I liked you. I like Gary Price. I like John Suntress, all the people. Chris Polidoris is funny. You had her on. Her brother, Mike, was my first non-Howard uh, Junior High School friend that I had at Nutria as a freshman. Uh, I just like being around the people. And when you like being around the people and you're, they're talented and you see that they're dedicated, that's another theme that, that plays through your podcast is how dedicated people are to their craft. It's easy to manage people like that. And that's something that I took through college. And then I was actually sports editor at the Marquette Tribune and then at the Kenosha News. You just let people be who they are. Let them know that you're in charge, and but you believe in them and that you back them. And that is something that Dick Coxon and Bill Bushnell and another person who's been very important in my life that I encountered at Nutria, and you've mentioned him on your podcast, Robert Boyle. Dr. Boyle. Yeah. No question. He would just let you be autonomous, uh, but at the same time, you know, show people the, the ground rules, the guidelines, and then just let them operate. Talent really was the key. <laughs> Having right. talented well people around you. Well, you have talented people around you, and then they're given the they're given the guidance, and then the freedom to to sort of explore and, and develop their own talent. I think that's something that again, as you say, that's a thread that does run through a bunch of these podcasts, yeah. and and I I feel that too. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on from Nutria for a bit because you are, of course, a passionate and enthusiastic graduate of Marquette University. Yes. Uh, this is a somewhat tongue in cheek question, but. Is it safe to assume that the athletic department at Marquette is giving you some kind of stipend for your ongoing promotion of their athletic department? No, or? no just the opposite, probably. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I went to Marquette and it's funny you mentioned, uh, I think, I think I've heard this, the facilities at Nutria were way better uh, than they were at Marquette. No question. The radio facilities for sure. But I had decided to go to into journalism at that point because Marquette had a very good journalism program. And I felt there was more of a future for me in journalism. And, you know, 40 years later, both industries have just blown up. So it probably didn't matter. But it, I enjoyed the journalism part of it. But I love Marquette. Marquette was very good to me. It was a great next step on from Nutria. And Nutria did a wonderful job of preparing me both academically with the extracurriculars and socially to go to Marquette. It was probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And the best thing that happened there was that I met my wife, Laura, there. Let's move into your professional life now. What is the biggest way you think that Nutrier helped prepare you for your life in media organizations? Uh, no question about it. Again, I don't, I, I don't mean to go back to this, but the theme in your podcast is how we were prepared to act as professionals at Nutrier. And no question at WNTH, that was a professional setup. That was a, that was, we were acting as professionals from the minute we walked in the door until the minute we left there. And same with the newspaper uh, under Dr. Boyle. It was very similar as it was, the structure was very similar. Um, and I, I took things that I learned at WNTH and at the Nutria News, and I've taken them uh, with me all throughout my professional career. It was a great, great training ground. And as I, as I said, the equipment that we, I worked on at WNTH was better than the equipment I worked on at Marquette. Not so much with newspapers because the, the Marquette Tribune was a great laboratory. It was a daily newspaper. It was four days a week. We had great equipment, great professionals. But my training at WNTH, certainly, I was that, I definitely used that as a springboard everywhere else I went. And I still have my air checks. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, one of the things that, oh, I, I actually have in behind the, behind the curtain here in the back of my office, I have a briefcase filled with my WNTH air checks from yeah uh, in, on cassettes yes. from 82 and 83. Oh, so, wow. That's great. Uh, I, I just, I can't, and I've carried them around with right. me now for 40 years. Same. I can't, I cannot let go. I cannot <laughs> but, let go. But something you, you sort of alluded to there, and it's something else that I think is, is true of how we behaved and the sort of professionalism and atmosphere that we had was also because again, the staff were never there. What we did as a group of students was we policed, if you will, each other. We that we mentored one another, and we were each other's accountability partners. I think is yeah. probably a good way to put it. Yes, and I think that that's something that really made it work. But it, but the other thing that you said that I think is also true and, and comes up a lot, and that is that we absolutely did rather constantly. We were treated as if we were already doing something professionally. And then this was a professional environment and it's, you know, this is, we're going to be treated at WNTH the same way that you would be treated at WGN. Yep. You're going to be treated the same way at Nutria News as you would be treated at the Kenosha News. You're going to be treated on stage the same way you would be treated on Broadway. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be back. We are talking with WNTH legend, <laughs> Dave Marin, <laughs> and we will be back. This episode of Nutria Performing Arts Stories is brought to you by Gopto, a science fiction adventure story by Dwayne Burkhardt. The book has an average rating of 4.7 stars and is available on Amazon for $12.99 in paperback or just $4.99 
in ebook format. To buy your copy today, just go to Amazon.com and search for the books of Dwayne Burkhardt. <laughs> And we are back. We are talking with WNTH station manager and the guy who runs the scoreboard for the Chicago White Sox for coming up on 30 years, Dave Marin. Dave, how did you end up with this? Because you did this basically right out of high school is when you started with White Sox. Is that correct? Yes. I started in uh, 1984. I remember the first winter that I was off, I was packing dishes and to make money. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So basically, right after Christmas break at Marquette, I wrote every sports team in Chicago. And I said, I want to work for you in the summer. The only team that wrote back with a positive response were the Chicago White Sox, which was kind of disappointing because I was a big Cubs fan at the time. But I followed up on it. I interviewed with the uh, White Sox uh, with a woman by the name of Christine O'Reilly, who's still there, which tells you a lot about the White Sox. And she claimed I got the job, but I couldn't start because I was in the market. It was marketing and they needed me to start on a day. And I had to finish my freshman year at Marquette. So that was non-negotiable. Right. And so uh, I started work. She kindly sent my name to the woman who ran the scoreboard operations department. Her name was Liz, Liz Burke. And Liz hired me. And so I started in the summer of 84 with a fellow by the name of Jeff Chanel, who I mentioned before. And I was there in the summer of 84, 85, 86, part of 87. And then I took 88 and 89 off when I got my job at the Kenosha News. I still don't know why I did that, but I did it. <laughs> and then the the fellow that I came that was hired with me in 84, Jeff Chanel, he became full-time in 90 uh, running the scoreboard. And then he brought me back. So I continuously have been with the White Sox in the scoreboard department since 1990. And the only reason I did it was because I didn't want to pack dishes anymore on winter break and summer break. And you're very kind to say that I run the scoreboard. I'm part of a huge, uh, obviously a large number of people, right? Team. Yeah. It's, like, it's an in-house, it's basically in-house television. And I, I, I research, write and displace stats, trivia and facts during the game when players are batting and things of that nature. It's a very involved job, you know, much like, I mean, Nutria really prepared me for that job too, because basically with the White Sox, I'm, operating without a net they trust me basically just to keep putting up information on the scoreboard as guys are batting and i have that that autonomy to do it so that has been one of the great thrills of my life that job not only am i working in baseball but i'm working with just much like nutrier wnth and the nutrier news i'm working with a committed passionate talented group of people who make the job fulfilling and fun as well dedicated people yeah. who really want to, who really want to do a good yep. job. It makes a huge difference. It does. That's just, that's super cool. And it, and one of the things that's really neat about the show is getting to find and talk about some of the really cool things that all of our graduates have, have gone on to do. And I think that's, that's neat. One of the things that I do on shows when I know the guest is, as you and I have known each other for many years, is I get to tell you what I remember. And I have very specific memories of you. Oh boy. And I mean, I like lots of memories, but if, you, if, if someone were to say your name to me, there are like sort of image memories that come into my head. Okay. And the first one is one that you will recognize immediately. And that is of you and Suntress, John Suntress, sitting in the staff office on the fifth floor 
very and enjoying one of your animated enthusiastic discussions about sports or broadcasting or yeah. whatever it was that you guys had on your minds in that particular day and of course he's gone on to do the 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 big word balloon thing legend can't wait to have him on the show and yeah me too so uh so that was one memory the second one and you may or may not want to fess up to this one there were times at WNTH when we were in fact empowered to solve problems and we came up with we had crises yeah and there was a nutria basketball game where something went fairly significantly wrong with the remote operation of the equipment in the main new church gymnasium and wnth and so the solution to the problem was to take hundreds of feet of cable and to open the window oh, yeah. on the back of the station and yeah. run it across the roof of Nutrier and down yeah. manually, basically, into the station. And my memory of you is of you literally, like, stepping out the window onto the roof, which, incidentally, many of us have done more often than we should probably ever admit. Yes. Uh, and just trucking down, like, running along the roof, running along the, the line of these cables so that we could get the the broadcast up. Yes, I remember that. So there's there's moments like that that I think and and there's a lot of things there that one it shows that the the trust and faith that the staff had in us, two it shows our ability to to solve the you know crisis problems in real time and yeah. and also that you know that we learned that solving the problem. What do you you know you work the problem, you solve it, you do whatever you you need to do. Right. There was something and I want to ask you I guess a quick question about sports broadcasting because that's something that you obviously did a great deal of at Nutrier was doing play-by-play, particularly in sports like basketball and baseball, requires an ability to think on your feet in a way that you don't have to do in a lot of other fields. And it's not unlike improv in theater. Yeah. Was there anything about that experience that you felt that you gained because of Nutria, or was it something that you, as you're, because you're, as you're saying, your mom said you were just commenting growing up along with every game that you ever watched? Well, that, that is true. And again, it speaks to another theme that I just picked up on your podcast. And I think this is a good advertisement for all Nutria graduates to listen to this podcast, whether or not they're in performing arts or not, is we were around a group of like-minded people. And I remember you talking to someone who went and saw Steve Carell doing improv. Oh yeah. I'll do Peyton. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, I wasn't going to watch Steve Carell do improv to improve, you know, my broadcasting skills. I was talking to Tim Monroe and John Suntress and Gary Price, and we were watching games together and we were watching broadcasters together. And we were talking about how great these broadcasters were and what we liked about them. And we, these group of like-minded people, we would go to Cubs games, we would go to Sox games, we would go to Blackhawks games, and we would talk about it and we would involve ourselves in the sport. And that's one way that we learned kind of to get quick on your feet doing things like that. But it's just the sheer amount of work we were able to do at Nutrier as quote unquote professionals, right? Doing that. Like I was doing play by play all the way from my fall of my freshman year till the, the basically the day I graduated. And you can't help but get better by doing that over and over and over again. And I'm sure the same is true in performing arts. You, Dwayne, you were freshman right in, in shows i i started literally from the first week of of class that when we talked uh second cities janet vandegraaff was on the show and yep i remember that literally our our first or second week in nutria she and i suddenly found ourselves as leads toby nicholson god bless him was crazy enough to put us in uh leads in a, in a show and, yes. and so yeah right away 
So as a freshman, you were doing it, correct? Yeah. And same with me. And, and you know, that was another thing that was so great about Nutrier. As a 14-year-old, basically, you were basically a play-by-play announcer. And you thought, well, if I can do it as a freshman at, Mar- at Nutrier, I can do it as a freshman at Marquette. So there were basically no boundaries to what you could do uh, by class, right? So when I was a, when I was at Marquette, I went right down as a freshman and I went to the organizational meeting. This time, my mother did not have to tell me to go. I knew to go on my own. <laughs> and I basically got a beat right away and I started writing right away. And that was really one of the great things about Marquette. You mentioned you went to Missouri. And I think one of the things that scared me off about Missouri School of Journalism was you had to yet get into it, right? Yes, it it was a you absolutely had to do that separately. Uh, You'd go to Mizzou and then you would get into the J school. That's correct. Where at Marquette, you were basically in the J school the whole way. And that was just the way I wanted it. You know, I'm not Missouri stands on its own. You know, Missouri's got the great reputation, Um, but I just needed to to do it as a freshman. So that was one that was kind of an underrated thing that that this pot that your pot is kind of brought out in like basically at Nutrier, you could believe that you could do anything regardless of your age, whether it was being the lead in 12th night as a freshman or calling the big playoff game as a freshman at, at WNTH. I need to note that I was the lead in 12th night as a junior though. That was not my freshman year, but yeah, but yes, that, but yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's that it's absolutely true that we were given, you know, the, the, one of the quotes I come back to a lot is, uh, is the one from Eleanor Roosevelt, the way to make young people responsible is to throw real responsibility at them. Agreed. Yep. And I think that that's something that, that they did very, very well. Yes. So, no question. So I'm going to ask you one question that I asked uh, Chris Polidoris on the show. Am I able to mention citrus sales and particularly for you as a station manager <laughs> without causing any kind of seizure or reaction in your, in your head? You know, I heard that. And uh, I hadn't thought about the citrus sale in a long time. And I think probably because I was blocking. What was that like? Actually, what was that like from your perspective as a station manager? Because it's a completely different way to look at it. Yeah, I basically had to get people to to sell, which wasn't too hard. And then the other thing was, you mentioned it with Chris, was unloading the trucks. Oh, my God. We just had to get people down there to unload the trucks and line up deliveries and have people man that um, warehouse, which was the thing I remember that was, was just so cold when people would come and pick up their fruit. You know, I think that was valuable too, because that kind of was Nutria's way of telling you that broadcasting or journalism wasn't all, uh, as Al McGuire used to say, seashells and balloons, right? Right. There were some things, that you, you there were some things, man, that you had to grunt through, whether it was working the 10 to 12 uh, on Saturday night or sitting there and on Sundays uh, waiting for people to come and pick up their citrus. So but, you know, all in all, that was a good thing, that citrus sale. And I don't know if they still do it. I don't either, but I it was and it but it provided us. And again, as a station manager, you can probably answer the question that I didn't know at that time and still don't. That was a significant percentage of the funding that for the radio station, was it not? Oh, yeah. 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 It essentially was the pledge drive that, that WDTW and or any PBS station has. And it was yeah, it was very instrumental and it was very. I wouldn't say high pressure because I think we were 16, 17, 18. We didn't really get what money was. I mean, you know, this was it was a school, but it was probably the thing that, yeah, the, the only thing that people probably really dreaded about uh, WNTH. And but, even from that standpoint, it, it was kind of a bonding experience as well. 
Well, and you know, to the point earlier about about being one another's accountability partners, that was an area where I think the students really were. And and when I interviewed Chris, we talked about how we took it very seriously, particularly as underclassmen. Yeah. Because, you know, it was it was explained to us that this is it. This is you want to broadcast the game, that's great. You got to sell the fruit to broadcast the game. Right. Yeah. You want to be morning drive, that's fantastic. You got the this is how that happens. Yeah. And that kind of connection, as you say, that Another part of the thing that Nutrier did for us was to connect the dots for us of, you want this reward, this is the work that's attached to that reward. Yeah. And you're at the level now where you are able to understand this. And and by the way, we're not doing this for you. Right. <laughs> you're going yeah. to go do this. Oh, yeah. So. That was very understood. That, I mean, we had to do this. No one was going to do it. And uh, for the most part, I think it was pretty pretty successful. Is there anything else from WNTH that you that you remember that you really, you know, that you feel like you want to say or? Yeah. Here you are, l- lifelong friend. Two, two other gentlemen that I talk to regularly, Gary Price and John Suntress. And then I've reconnected with a lot of WNTH people on Facebook. I saw Pam Ferdinand at the uh, Canal Shores in Evanston at the uh, Elvis Costello Nick Mosher uh, last uh, summer. So WNTH really has created a lot of lifelong friends and relationships for me and i'm really grateful for that and certainly i've reconnected with john and and our john and gary uh, over the last couple of years and it's been wonderful and seeing you has just been great and all that you're doing in this podcast i can't tell you how much i'm just getting out of the podcast and thank you what I... and what nutria has meant to me and the the professional apprenticeship environment yeah, that nails it. That nails it for the Nutria News. That nails it for WNTH. And what I'm learning, it deals uh, from the performing arts department. And that's exactly what it was. And you wonder if and a, a woman that I've reconnected with on Facebook, Amy Saxton, said, if if all public schools were like Nutria, like that, wouldn't this be just a much better place? Can you just imagine if, yeah, if it on the one hand, it's frustrating that not everybody could have this an experience like this. Yes. And on the other hand, we are all unbelievably grateful that we had that opportunity. So. And it's surreal to think about that school. I mean, just what it all offered us and what it allowed us to do and who it, who it allowed us to meet. I mean, the people that you dealt with in, in performing arts and the people I dealt with in radio and newspapers, it's just, it's just been great. It, it's, it's almost surreal. Well, folks, uh, Dave Marin, a former WNTH station manager and the now happily retired happily. <laughs> sports director for Kenosha News, but still doing the scoreboard yeah. periodically for the Chicago White Sox, has been our guest today, and we have been very delighted to have him. Dave, thank you so much for being on Nutria Performing Arts slash WNTH Stories today. Thank you, Dwayne. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Folks, before we go, I want to add one thing that I really meant to mention during the show. As we noted, Dave's dad, the late James Marin, was a teacher at Nutrier, and in his honor, the Nutrier Education Foundation has a grant program in his name. The James Marin grants enhance Nutrier students' learning experiences in ways which are beyond the reach of the school district. Just two months ago, a Marin grant from the foundation helped fund the Go Baby Go project which allowed engineering students at Nutrier to modify up to 45 vehicles for children with mobility disabilities. To donate to this very worthy cause, please visit NutrierConnect.org and visit the grants page.
now. Nutria Performing Arts Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives Incorporated. It is written, directed, produced, and edited like someone who spent four years at WNTH by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at NutriaPADStories.com. And join us next week as we bring Season 1 of Nutria Performing Arts Stories to a close by bringing back our very first guest, John Gian. Thanks for listening. See you next time.